Good to be with you again today, um, and on this really important day. Um, I do think uh, Pentecost doesn't get all the you know attention it deserves. I mentioned last week my desire to get it a some kind of like flying bird to give candy out. That way Pentecost gets more importance. But in some regard, um, Pentecost is crucial for the church. Um, I played sports throughout much of my life, and my son plays sports. By the way, I didn't realize that I would care more deeply about my kids' sports than my own sports. You ever been up a sports crazed parent? You know those parents? I try to not be one of those. Um, but yesterday, my wife, my son was playing basketball, and you know, I'm a teacher, right? So whenever people are making mistakes, I feel I need to correct them. And the referees were doing pretty well, but I thought I had to give encouragement to them along the way to kind of say, I think that call might have gone the other direction. So I'm just trying to be helpful. My wife didn't see it, so. But, uh, my voice tends to carry, surprisingly. I don't know. There's a saying in sports that says, and, and, and don't look for this for good grammar, um, we all we got and we all we need. Kind of a rallying try. Look around and say, Who's here is all we've got, and that's all we need. The problem is, what if that's not the case? Right? I look at my Mariners. They, all they have is they, they need more than they've got. Sometimes we in the church are like, well, we know who's here, and we're not sure it's enough. And really, Pentecost is that day. We look around, and you're all amazing, wonderful people. We look around and say, well, there's some good people here, but we need something more. Um, Pentecost is God saying to the world, you're great people, but you need something more, and so we're going to give it to you in the Spirit. Um, the Spirit is that which comes to which the disciples, um, and they were, you know, mentioned last week, a couple of stages about the three stooges, they were, they were struggling. They didn't know what they were good at. Um, you saw in the Gospels, they kind of got it right, then got it wrong, and they looked around that room, they're like, well, this is all we've got. This is not going to be enough. And it wasn't. But until the Holy Spirit comes, that Holy Spirit poured out upon them, poured out upon us. And it's a reminder, not that we are inadequate, but that by the Spirit is how we can do all things in life. I wonder where the places are in our lives today where we feel inadequate. We don't quite measure up. We celebrate those who are here, but we know that we need more than what we have um, with here today. Um, are any of you in the room um, Lord of the Rings fans or nerds? Okay, all right. And a fan. Okay, there's like eight of you. So the rest of you, I'll try to bring up the speed quickly. There's a guy named J.R.R. Tolkien. It'll only take about 13 hours. It'll be fine. Um, J.R.R. Tolkien was an author. He was good friends with C.S. Lewis. They're from Oxford. I've eaten their little little eagle's child little plaything in Oxford. It's really fun. Their little cafe. They kind of tell their stories back and forth. C.S. Lewis is the Narnia series. Tolkien to the Lord of the Rings and other things as well. So those of you who are nerds and still remember this, in um, Helm's Deep, it's a battle. There's a battle going on. And the battle is not going well. They looked around and said, this is all we've got. And we said, we need more than this. But, this is not an accident, Gandalf promised, who was in white, on the third day from the east, right, they would look, and see him coming with more helpers. I think they were like the elves. Any nerds? Well, you know, somebody comes. I don't know. It's fantasy. Okay, right. But it's amazing how they looked around. They were losing the battle. It was all over. But this help comes to them rushing down the stream, and they win the battle. This happened several times in the series. 
They're about ready to lose, but more help arrives. Sometimes in life, we are looking around and we are not winning the battles, right? The resources we need, we're looking around and like, well, this is all we've got. I guess we're done now. Um, but this really is on Pentecost today to say, but God will provide the power that we need. I'm not sure what areas in your life where things are going well or poorly, um, but the good news is this, is that what God provides in the Spirit then is all we will need. The Spirit is, but here's the thing, we can't rely upon ourselves alone. God wants us to work hard. We're not called to be lazy. We recognize that without the Spirit's help and empowerment, we're going to be spinning our wheels um, in the mud. How many of you know uh, multiple languages? Okay, a couple of you, three or four of you. Habla Espanol, Sprechen Sie Deutsch, Parlez-vous Francais? That's all I got. Okay. Uh, um, my wife, uh, her, her, her father was in the military, and they grew up a big chunk of her life in Germany. Um, they lived on the economy. You people know what that means. They didn't live on a base. They lived actually in Germany. She went to a, um, a Catholic school in Germany, and so she became fluent. Um, she lived there from like first grade to like seventh grade. I think she left in like 87. Well, she went back to the States and went to, ironically, to Leavenworth, kind of fake Ger- Leavenworth, Washington. You know Leavenworth, Washington, right? It's called fake Germany in Washington. Have you ever been to Leavenworth? It's a little village. They pretend they're German. It's kind of weird. I'm not sure why they went there, but they went from Germany to Leavenworth. That was weird. Um, but then we went to, she came to NNU, we got married, went to Kansas City. Basically, we, she hadn't been back to Europe in like 25 years. For some anniversary at some year, she's not here, so it doesn't matter what year it was, we went back to Europe. It was very important. I'm sure it was a five was involved. I don't know why the numbers are weird. But, um, so we go back to uh, Europe to see some friends there. We went to London. And by the way, you all don't speak English. You speak American. There's a difference, right? Uh, but I will say that's the easiest place to go in Europe initially. At least you have a general idea. They look at you funny, but, you know, you'll figure it out. Um, but then we went over to Germany. Now, ironically, I am half German, right? I don't know much German at all. My wife, who's not German at all, speaks pretty well. So we go back there. 23 years later, right? She hasn't spoken it hardly at all. We go down to this little town called Fusen, which is by um, the castle New Schwanstein. Anybody been there before? A couple of you. It's a Cinderella castle. Really pretty. Um, but we go in. This is southern Bavaria. And we were tired. Had a long, crazy day. I'll tell you that story later. By the way, Ryan Eyre, just beware. Ryan Air. That's, that's a Europe tidbit for you. They'll tell you later. I'm Rick Steves. We'll talk about it somewhere. But we get to Germany. We're tired. We're exhausted. We're looking for a place to eat. So we kind of go outside, you know, walk around this little village, and there's this very old German man walking his dog. And Anne goes, here we go. So she goes and talking to him in German for like five minutes. At the end of this conversation, she tells me this, because I wouldn't have a clue. He said to her in German, are you from here? Your accent is perfect. She's like, no, I've been in the United States for 25 years, da, da, da. And he goes, well, you're German, and it's fabulous. I was really impressed. It was amazing how that kind of language stuck within her. Now, our next stop, we went to France. And she had nothing, I had nothing. And all to say, being in a place without a language, you know that's hard. So you've been there before? You kind of like use sign language. Now, the phones are easy. They just speak into the phone, and it goes back to you, right? Um, 
but not having languages is a challenge. Where'd that come from? In the Bible, early on, we have God's work among all the world. We have Adam and Eve. Things are going kind of well. Then Abel, Cain and Abel have an issue. They have a problem. Then we have the person of Noah. Um, Noah, things aren't really good. So God has the flood and, they, and kind of government goes away. And God said, I won't do that again. But God's been working trying to get his name out among the people. Well, then you have this weird story in the Tower of Babel. This, this Tower of Babel, um, the scripture kind of says they kind of thought they were pretty impressive, right? And so they build this tower to show that they can be like God. And so God offers them a kind of um, humility by giving them multiple languages. And by the way, diversity is not a bad thing, but we do know it creates challenges, doesn't it? Um, it's amazing how when you can't speak a language, it's, you can kind of push people away, or you're intimidated, don't need to know them. Um, I, I kind of took three years of Spanish in high school, so I'm good at talking to three-year-olds. <laughs> Anything above that, it is not going to go well, right? Although my kids who actually, um, they, we had a dual language school in Nampa in Spanish, so they call my, they call it Spanglish. I kind of like, you know, do a Spanish and English combination there. But this Tower of Babel, all these new languages emerge, and then Anyone know what happens in Genesis 12? God calls a guy named Abram and Sarai. And they were old and mostly worthless, right? They looked around, we've all we've got, and there's not much here. By the way, God keeps using people who are very aware that they have not much to offer. But Abram responded. But what's curious, from Genesis 12 all the way to Acts 2, it's a story largely about God's work with the Jews. Think about that. Genesis 1 through 11, it's all humanity. Genesis 12, God says, I'm going to, these Jewish people, I'm going to use them to spread my name. But as you see throughout the Old and New Testament, they don't do so great. Um, you get to Jesus, and Jesus really is for the Jews, although these Gentiles keep coming up. Remember the, the Magi from the East show up, and so in Jesus' coming, there's this new thing happening there. But even Jesus says, I've come for the Jews, the lost of Israel. But then Jesus is, is, dies, resurrected, and ascended. And now what? Right? I love this scene. Um, actually, it's in Acts 1. Jesus ascends. They're looking up at the hills. And the angel comes down and says, what are you people doing here? Jesus is gone. Go to Jerusalem and wait. And so they go and they wait. They wait for Christ, for what's going to happen next. Um, our text then leads us to our text this morning. Out of this waiting and longing. Now again, as you read the Gospels, it's really easy to see they're going to need more. Jesus was the one keeping it all together, right? Jesus says, I'm going to die. And they said, we want to be the greatest. They ask for interpretation of miracles, and they just aren't getting it. And by the way, we're pretty sure that the disciples kind of wrote most of the Gospels. They're telling us along the way, yeah, when Jesus was here, we really struggled. So if you ever struggle sometimes not getting it, you're welcome to be one of the disciples, just along the way. But then what you can see is the power of the Spirit. When it comes, look at the, God, the disciples in Acts versus the Gospels. You can see a difference the Spirit makes. So if you're able, it's kind of a long passage, so if you just sit along the way you can. If you're able to stand, I invite you to stand for our Acts lesson today. Acts 2, 1-21. Again, you can't stand the whole time. It's okay. Um, 
But we're going to read this day of, uh, this day of Pentecost. When Pentecost Day arrived, by the way, and pay attention to the alls. Luke is talking like very, like all, notice it's not about the Jews, how about all the people being included. That's important. When they Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound from heaven, like the howling of a fierce wind, filled the entire house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be individual flames of fire alighting on each of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages. The Spirit enabled them to speak. They were pious Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. They were mystified because everyone heard them speaking in their native languages. They were surprised and amazed, saying, Look, aren't the, all the people who are speaking Galileans, every one of them? How can they, each of us hear them speak in our native languages? We have Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, as well as residents from Mesopotamia, Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the regions of Libya, bordering Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the mighty works of God in our own languages. They were all surprised and bewildered. Some asked each other, what does this mean? Others jeered at them, saying, they're full of new wine. But Peter stood up. With the other 11 apostles, he raised his voice and declared, Judeans and everyone living in Jerusalem know this. Listen carefully to my words. These people aren't drunk, as you suspect. After all, it's only nine in the morning. Rather, this is what was spoken to the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young will see visions. Your elders will dream dreams. Even upon my servants, men and women, I'll pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders to occur in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and a cloud of smoke. The sun will be changed into darkness, and the moon will be changed into blood before the great and spectacular day of the Lord comes. And then hear this line here. And everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Pentecost was a festival 50 days after Passover. Uh, hence, Penta, right? Penta 5, 50, you know, Pentecost. It was a, a service of the, of the first fruits offering from the Old Testament. And so you would have like Passover, lots of folks from all over would be in Jerusalem for this time. Uh, it was a time of great anticipation for what God was doing um, and what God could be done in our lives. But as they gather, waiting for the Spirit to come, and the Spirit comes, and like things begin to happen. Wind begins to blow. Now, again, I've heard this with VBS. You got wind blowing at VBS. That was not a happy wind. There's happy wind. There's not happy wind, right? Um, have you ever been near a tornado before? A couple of you. It's a couple of you have. Um, it's not fun. Wind can be destructive and bring chaos. However, some winds in the Bible actually push back the chaos. Genesis 1, you might recall, and so for the Jews, when they were to hear the word wind, they, this Hebrew word is ruach, the breath, the wind of God. If you look at Genesis 1, it says that wind or breath of God blows back the waters of chaos and creates dry land. Um, and in this case, this is not a wind of destruction. This is a wind, actually, of unification. And also, there's fire alighting on top of them. And fire can often be very, very destructive. But often, fire used by God can be a sign of divine presence. And you remember a story in the Bible involving God and fire. 
Anybody? Right, Moses? Burning bush. But this time, instead of a bush being burned up, like they had like fire on their heads. You know, Alicia Keys, that girl's on fire? Sorry, five of you got that. It's okay. Uh, those of you who didn't get it, no worries. Um, but there's like, um, there's fire on each of them, a sign of God's presence. And then what's amazing, as, as Babel, again, diversity is not a bad thing. As Babel was humbling to them, causing diversity, um, we know that what happens here, and this is kind of weird, um, often our Pentecostal brothers and sisters believe in speaking in tongues, and that's okay. Um, that's actually not what's happening here in Acts 2. In Acts 2, what you see is, in some regard, it's not a reversal of Babel, because it's not just being one language everybody hears, but notice this. The Spirit's first work. Okay, this is a quiz from last week. We were in the gospel. What was the most important thing Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples, if you are what? Unified, exactly. And we clarified, those of you who weren't here, so not to go to Hawaii, that was awkward, but those who are here, um, we want we distinguish between unity versus uniformity, right? So what's important for the church to say even here is their unity was not a uniformity, but each one heard in their own language. Those of you who traveled abroad many places where English was not spoken for a while, and all of a sudden you come back to a place where you, someone knows English, or you come back to uh, America, you feel at home. When someone can speak in your language, it connects with you. And so they were, they were amazed. And it's just fascinating to me and not accidental. The Spirit's first act is that folks who felt like foreigners and were separate would, were hearing the words of God in their own language. The work of the Spirit is to help make us united even though we're not uniform. But in our diversity is a beautiful thing that moves us forward. So they're having this great celebration, but you know what happens. They're detractors. Well, I mean, really. Now, some of you, how many of you have the uh, gift of being um, skeptical or cynical? Raise your hand. Okay? Okay, I'll, okay the rest of, some of you are not being honest right now, but it's okay. <laughs> now, I think I have this gift a little bit because I'm going to question, I question things. I want to think things through. I don't want to be like, you know, with now Photoshop and YouTube, come on, what's real in these days? We don't know. But when the act and the Spirit of God comes and something amazing happens, there are folks who say, well, I'm not so sure. This could be Photoshopped. You could be choosing, you know, cheating here somehow. And that happens in our lives today. When the Spirit of God authentically moves, there'll be some who say, well, come on. It was the pizza you ate. Can this really last? Um, but Peter gets up to speak. Now, then pay attention. When Peter has gotten up to speak in the, old, in, the, in the Gospels, sometimes it was good, sometimes not so good, right? There's a great scene in Peter, right, from the Gospel where he declares, Jesus, you're the Christ and the living God. And like about five seconds later, he says, Jesus, he rebukes Jesus, you can't die. And then Jesus just calls him Satan. So that's awkward, right? Um, but Peter gets up to speak, and he has the power of the Spirit. Friends, I'll say it again. God thinks you are beautiful and good and lots of great talents. But for any of us, without the power of the Spirit, it will all be futile. So Peter speaks with the power of the Spirit. And guess what he talks about? He talks about this passage from Joel. and says, in these days, the Spirit is going to be poured out. 
And then he names some groups, doesn't he? Young and the old, the sons and the daughters and the servants are going to all be used by God to declare God's glory. You know what's curious about all the folks he named? They were the folks on the lower rungs of the power train, right? With too young, not important. Too old, put them out the pasture. The servants, they're not worth much. Women, not much. Kids, they're a waste of our time. But in the last days, it will be those whom everyone else has pushed to the margins. Those will be the ones. Now again, the, you know, the middle-aged white guys like me, you'll get a chance eventually, right? But the point is this. God's Spirit is going to come through those whom we would often neglect or ignore. The work of the Spirit is to unify. The work of the Spirit is to come and preach new things for those who are on the outside. So the question today is kind of simple. How many of you realize when you look in the mirror and you say, this is all we've got, you would say, yep, and that's not enough. Most of us are pretty good at that part. The good news today is this. God's Spirit, that same Spirit, is poured out on us here today, and God even knows where Mountain Home is. Come on now. The God's Spirit is poured out afresh and anew upon us. It's not our possession. We can control it. We're invited to participate in what the Spirit wants to do. But the first word of encouragement is this. If you feel like the tasks before you are more than you can handle, are more than you can, you can do, the good news is God wants to offer you the Spirit to say, come, enter into my rest, and let's work on this together. It's not about being lazy and shutting things off, but it is to say, God, I need your Spirit in my life. The reserves and resources I have are not enough. Where is there space in your life for a need the Spirit to work again? Perhaps just life is overwhelming, relational issues, financial, health issues. You know where the places are. But the Holy Spirit being poured out upon us is for the areas of your life that are most concerned. And God also says, and I want to do a work among this people, among Mountain Home Nazarene again to say, how can we look around and say, God, what, what new thing do you want to do here? We look around and say, what we don't have, and the God says, well, look what you do have. The Spirit is here. The Spirit can help us as we ride into it. There'll be some doubters. Oh, you don't have that much. You can't offer much. Remember the, in Acts, they go before the Sanhedrin, like, what can those guys know? They didn't graduate junior high. But with the Spirit, hold on, they did great things. So it's not a matter of what you do or don't have to offer. It's a matter of saying, are you available for the Spirit today? A great book that came out now probably 20, 25 years ago, Jim Cimbala, he was the pastor of um, the church that has Brooklyn Tabernacle, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Um, I forget the name of his church, but he wrote a book called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. For those of you, it's an old book. For those of you who are old might have read it. I love that idea. Where are there places where you could use some fresh wind and fresh fire in your lives today? Where are there places where you need some encouragement? Where do you feel like you're burning the candle at all four or five ends? You feel like, yeah, I'm done here. As a church in transition, it's really important for us that we would recognize 
They were all important, but we need the Spirit to help us. And the Spirit will help us as we create room and space for God to do a new work even here, even in the middle of June, in this summer. That God's Spirit still says, if I'm here, that's all we need. If you're here and we're here and the Spirit's here, it really is. It's all we've got, but that is all we need because God's Spirit's here. Let's close our eyes for a moment. I'm going to invite the team to come on up. If this morning, on this Pentecost Sunday, if you were to say, I've got areas in my life where I'm feeling like I need some help. If there are some of you today who would say, you know what, whether it's financial, relational issues, work issues, and I just want to say, God, I need more of your spirit today. If that's your prayer. Just slip your hand up where you're at. You use more of the Spirit's power in your life. Anybody else? I could use more of the Spirit's power. Anybody else? Let's pray. Put your hands down. Gracious God, thanks so much for meeting us here on a beautiful Sunday morning in Mountain Home. Lord, it's easy for us to look around and think we're not enough. And the truth is, we're not without you. But Lord, help us live in this reality. By your Spirit, we have all that we need. But for some of us, Lord, we feel like we're burning the candle at all ends. There are relationships, issues of finances, health, that are more than we know what to do with. And Lord, you saw those hands. We just need a fresh filling with your spirit. Lord, we pray where we can, Lord, that you would, would, would address and solve and heal those issues. Lord, in the meantime, we pray that we would have the confidence to know that we're not alone. As sometimes, Lord, we know those issues still linger Lord, I pray that we would sense your Spirit's presence. Lord, may any who have a spirit of despair and discouragement, may, Lord, even in these moments, may you fill them with hope. This hope, Lord, is not exactly that because we know that everything's going to be solved when we leave this room. But, Lord, our hope is that we know you are with us, both corporately and individually. And, Lord, may, with their places of discouragement today and despair and just tired, Lord, I pray to be filled anew with your Spirit. So that with your Spirit's presence, we can make it day by day. And not to survive, but to thrive. Lord, pray individually and corporately, Lord, the church, we're going to need your Spirit's help, Lord. These next few days and months as we transition through these next phases, Lord, um, we're just going to need your Spirit to guide us. Perhaps, perhaps Lord, new folks are going to step up in some areas of leadership and service. But Lord, may we draw upon your spirit, not simply just working harder and harder and harder trying to do it ourselves, but Lord, may you invite us to draw upon your spirit and respond to your spirit and catch on to the thing your spirit wants to do. So Lord, may we leave in hope and joy in the presence, of your, in the presence and power of your spirit today in Christ's name, amen. Let's stand and sing today. Receive this benediction. All who are hungry and thirsty, may you experience the deep well of the Holy Spirit to satisfy you that you'll never thirst again and never hunger again. Go in the power and the hope and grace of the Spirit today. Amen. Amen.